I hope you've had a chance to listen to part one of this interview on BizBytes. Stay tuned now for part two. Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. As this before went through all the reforms we went through, um, and now renewables is is a huge, huge change uh, that's coming through. You know, um, I think the recent numbers in Australia there's forty billion dollars worth of transmission um, capex required over the next little while. Um, then all the distribution sides, you know, there's discussion around gas. Um, what needs to be done there? Um, you know, renewable energy zones are being built now. So when you think about how to replace one two gigawatt size coal-fired power stations with up until recently 120 50 70 200 300 megawatt which is a it's a scale lower um, of wind and solar and then it's intermittent and the coal runs etc all that stuff is interesting where they're located is different to where a coal-fired power station would be located because yeah you need the wind to blow so as it changes, which is rapidly doing over time, and the batteries now. So the batteries, um, pumped hydro storage, snowy hydro, there's so much money required to be built. And, and the reliability and what's happening when you're shutting down coal-fired power stations, as you rightly know now, and all your listeners will know, um, electricity prices are going up 20%, or 20, 30% on 1 July. And a lot of that is to do with the changing nature of where energy is coming from. Yeah, it's it's um, and I think what's what's really interesting about that there's two aspects to it is is one that obviously there is the the impact in terms of energy itself and and what we're all having to think about and you know I know in planning to build out our house that um, you know we're thinking about the size of the solar panels and things that we can we can have on here to to cope with that because obviously you know energy prices are going up all the time and uh, it's just, it just takes up a huge amount of the huge amount of money but you can't blame that for happening given the changing circumstances that are that are there um but i think equally um what i what i find really fascinating is the the need for a sector like that to be so forward thinking because mm-hmm. um you, you you know they don't want to wake up one morning and suddenly there's a everyone's got batteries and um they haven't thought about it at all because that's what's going to happen right that that um you know we'll have less reliance on electricity from the grid as we're able to um, have batteries that are um i guess more affordable and and work better at a at a local level and it's not i didn't really want to discuss the batteries and all that technology with you but more the idea of forward planning i mean how much time do you have to spend with businesses in your in your role in terms of saying well are we thinking about what's happening next what are the changes that we have to understand that are coming and the implications that they will have uh for the business so you're a step in front yeah that, that's a good question so that's right getting back to to what we're doing here so if you think about the way that i approach businesses given the history and the nature of the things i get involved in um it might be for a takeover uh it might be for growing strategically it might be that you want to get a a financial model that does things like they need so I can see the business. A lot of businesses, surprisingly, this means 
P&L balance sheet, but they don't have very good cash flow and they can't see what's going on. Um, uh, a lot of some businesses have, uh, I won't go into the detail, but you know, a, a client had um, a chief operating officer, a badge of honour on their chest says, I rank in the top 10% of my industry in Australia, have done for the last five or 10 years, I'm a champion. And they were top, fantastic, but they spent a lot of money doing it. Mm-hmm. All right? And guess what? Financially, they were in a bad, bad, bad way. And so the discussions around the board, around the planning, what needs to be done, where's the money come from, that's great to be top 10, but are you gold-plating everything, et cetera, et cetera. So those conversations happen quite a lot. Um, as I said before about businesses trying to grow um, either within their state geographically or vertically, so horizontally or vertically, that's all planning. So a lot of the stuff I get involved with then is, is building financial models that enable them to assess that. Yeah. So we think about best practice financial models, it's all structurally set up, but it's a lot of stuff I get billed is scenario managers, sensitivity structures, um, dashboards, so that they can play with the various scenarios they want to look at. You know, a mining client had 50 scenarios they looked at uh, and about three or 400 items that might change or could change depending on how they dug the iron ore out of the ground. Hematite, mm. magnetite, they could do dredging, they could uh, send it on road or rail to a port, uh, they could store it here, there, sheds, uh, they could ship it, they could put it through, they could even wet it down and put it through a pipeline. So all that was just so many things could vary. But you've got to assess all that. That's that's that forward planning stuff. And then what's the the um, the future price look like for coal or iron ore when you're selling it and how do you do that? Because a lot of this stuff when you do feasibility studies, as you probably appreciate, um, they're big dollars, they're billions of dollars to invest. And what's going to happen with the coal price or the iron ore price or the gas price uh, over time? Look what's happening with LNG. Uh, look what's happened with iron ore price and coal price over the time. It's it's tanked and it's risen and it's come down. So the timing around what you do or when you do it um, is really important. And strategically, um, you know, I worked on I worked for seven years um, with and was with Energex and we're trying to bring um, natural gas down from PNG down the coast all the way down to the Queensland coast. And you think about the deals with the Exxon Mobiles, the oil searches, the um, uh, et cetera, and the pipeliners to try and work out how to get all that built and done and signed off and then sell it and off get off-takes agreements in place with the various big power stations or Camelcos, the likes of Camelco, QAL in Gladstone or other ones around Mount Isa, Townsville. Imagine trying to do all, all that and it had to be packaged so that the financially it stacked up end-to-end all at one time. And it just and we just could not get it to work at the one time when you could get the deal done. Now we could have sold that pipeline, I think, about three or four times over over the years, but but never all packaged up at the right time. So that's just a that's a really big example. Uh and then you get smaller examples where um I want to buy a similar business um in Victoria. I'm in Queensland, I want to buy a similar business in Victoria, and that's a that could be a hundred percent jump in scale of the business. And that is a big decision to make. So, mm. so strategically, do I take on and grow out of, out of my known patch and take on a, a business, take on clients and that sort of stuff? You know, one of the other businesses I was involved in was steel galvanizing, steel bashing, manufacturing, fabrication. And you think steel galvanizing, hot dip galvanizing, steel plate, all the associated environmental risks around that is huge. 
uh, and what what could seep into waterways, et cetera, and how the businesses you're looking at buying may have done things maybe not to best practice and the, the legalities behind all that and the environmental risk and the risk to the business about whether you buy the asset or the business or the uh, certain things. So, you know, that's fascinating how you think through all that and help people understand all those issues they need to assess about trying to grow the business and what that may look like and where's the most value add or bang for the buck. Yeah, I think that that's, that level of strategic thinking is um, massively underestimated by a lot of businesses, and and uh, particularly in a, in a in a world where changes are moving at such a rapid rate. I mean, you know, we spoke about COVID obviously having a massive impact uh, globally, but but technology moving and where we're you know things that we're doing, all of these things that you have to step out in front of because if you don't anticipate them in in your modelling then um you know you, you are falling behind straight away and and it's not like you can hang on for a little while it it, it just doesn't happen you know i've seen you know the the advent of ai is a good example there are businesses that are falling apart because in theory ai is replacing them without going into the whole ai debate but it's it, it's um i i think there's there's a lot of things that we all need to be on top of and understand where we're going and not enough time is generally spent strategically looking at that as a business. Yeah. Um, well, you think of pre-COVID, right? So if you think of Sydney Airport, for example, or airports generally, but Sydney Airport, um, no one sort of saw COVID coming and no one saw the implication that would have on the value of the airport and the cash flows associated with that. So so how does that impact and what do you do? How do you respond to that? Um, look at the airlines themselves, you know, what Qantas went through, Virgin went into receivership uh, and come out the other side. Um, so there's a huge impact on that, and that's about planning and looking forward and, and do you do you plan for the doomsday events? How do you respond to those things? AI, as you say, AI is coming into my world. Um, you know, financial modeling, et cetera, there's so much going on with chat GPT and financial models and can you do things with through AI, et cetera. Um, but, you know, Anthony, my, because my involvement's been through, you know, big infrastructure, but resources and mining, manufacturing, even IT startups, um, technology businesses, construction engineering, dealing with regulatory authorities, um, super funds, et cetera, and the ATO, um, you know, there's a lot of issues that businesses need to think through. Now, they all don't apply to all businesses, clearly, but um, they all have a similar concept about have you got the tools to enable you to reasonably and responsibly assess future strategies and future opportunities and future threats? Um, and so that's where I spend my time. Um, if you don't mind, I'll give you a very quick analogy that I that I tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, I help them win a Formula One race. And you think of this: if you if I if you have a an old EJ Holden and put that on the Formula One grid you're not going to win the race, right? So you need a best practice or the best built car. So that's where I spend my time building the models that are equivalent to the best Formula One car. Yep. So now you've got a car you can actually compete with. But then if you don't have all the CFO and background strategies and plannings and that stuff in place, you can't win the race. So that's to me the, the pit crew, the strategy, what lap do you bring people on? Do you have the changing of the tyres down to 2.2 seconds, the refuelling strategy, right? All that stuff. If you don't do that right, you cannot win the race. And so many people lost the race accordingly. 
And then lastly, if you don't have the sexy front end, I call it, if you don't have the best driver, and that could be the best CEO or the best head of you know, M&A expert or someone driving the business aboard, chair, someone who actually knows how to drive the business forward, again, what's the point of putting me behind the, a car that goes 300 kilometres an hour into the first corner? I'll miss the braking mark, crash it, kill myself and smash the car, and I won't win the race. So to me, it's all connected. Yeah? yeah. So I help people try and understand that how do you win the race by understanding all those things and how they're all interconnected. I love that analogy and particularly someone who happens to be a Formula One fan. So um, <laughs> I think you kind of described Ferrari over the last few years that uh, <laughs> they've had some of those bits, but they haven't had all of them to put it on to get it into uh, into position. It does make you admire those teams. Um, uh, one of the more fascinating uh, business talks that I sat through a couple of years back was Mark Webber describing yeah. pretty similar that that sort of analogy that you talk about and you know from a driver's point of view saying he was just one person in the team and whilst at the end of a race you often see the you know the driver saying you know thank you to the team um you can underestimate the real value they they, they certainly don't because uh, they're not driving that car to the to the um you know past the checkered flag if it's not for all of those things functioning and such little details that can go wrong so quickly that can impact, um, you know, can impact a world championship as we saw a couple of years ago. So, I, I think that it's it's such a great analogy for business to to follow as well, and and um, so much there to unpack, um, David. And I, I feel as though we could talk for for a lot mm-hmm. longer, but um, we're, we're pretty much out of time. But I just wanted to to finish up and saying, um, you know based on that analogy i'm gathering there are a lot of aha moments when people start working with you that they realize this is why we got you on board um you know and 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 i think that's the the one question that i like to ask my guests is if you could reveal that aha moment to more people so that they came and knocked on your door a little bit earlier is there a particular moment where you see it where you see the light switch on for people that you know you've connected them and you you're getting that formula 1 car ready for the for the checkered flag it's a good question, Anthony. It happens differently for different people, as you could probably appreciate. Um, you know, a, a board chairman that I knew brought me in because I had a takeover offer and and all the owners, five owners, the owners went, whoa, fantastic, I'll take that. And the chairman said, hang on a sec, let's get this place independently valued, which we did. And we got them about 80% increase in value. The aha moment was when we built them a model that actually worked and they could understand their value, and they could negotiate a better deal, all the owners went, oh, thank God we did that. Mm. Because they were happy, very happy with what they were offered, but they just got nearly 100% more. Um, another one recently, a CEO CEO of a small business, uh, pretty hands-on, uh, built a lot of the models they deal with and the finance people collectively, and I showed them, they showed me through their models, and then I showed them what our models look like and can do. And the aha moment went, oh, my God, I waste so much time doing what I do. It is ridiculous compared to what we can do with your models. Um, So that's another one. And uh, I guess um, some boards I've dealt with and CEOs dealing through the CFO a lot of the time. Uh, CFO, I, I basically try and make the CFO look good in the eyes of the CEO and therefore the board. Um, And some of the times when we present their views, their plans, their strategies with the models we've built um, and show them how it can be done and what it means and how how they can then spend their time analysing the business and forecasting and planning, 
when they do that, the aha moment is, oh, my God, if only we had known this before. Well, let's let's hope, David, that a whole lot more people learn that uh, after having heard this uh, this podcast. There's just so many great things that um, you've covered there, and I just love the amount of experience that you've uh, that you've had and you've been able to share with us. And I really appreciate your time. And and uh, uh, you know, we're going to include some some contact information in the show notes if you'd like to connect with David and and hear more about his business because clearly he's making a huge difference to. Uh, to a lot of businesses and um, you know, uh, thank you again for the conversation and uh, I hope we can continue it again in the very near future. Oh, thank you, Anthony. And, and I know you like uh, to ask your um, folk if they want to provide something as a bit of an incentive for your uh, listeners. So look, uh, one of the things we do is test financial models clearly to make them understand where their best practice. So, so I'm happy to offer a high level model review uh, of any financial model that people want to do. Now, that won't do include the testing of all the functionality, the, the computations, but it, things like inconsistency formula over time, hard coding formula, ref errors, all those things and best practice guidance, I'm happy to do that for free. So um, offer that up for folk. If they're interested, they can uh, reach out to me. Fantastic. And as I said, we will definitely include links to all of that in the show notes for the program. David, thank you so much for being a great guest on BizBytes. BizBytes is brought to you by ComTogether for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.